good to see you. Good to see all of you here today. We're grateful for the Cherub Choir and their beautiful music and the way they make us all feel alive. It's been a tough week for a lot of folks, those in the path of the storm, and we continue to pray and to find other ways to help. And this is nowhere near that level, but we made a covenant at the 8.30 service that within these four sacred walls, we would not talk about football today. <laughs> it was a hard day for a lot of people. So, uh, but we move on. There's always next week. Thank you, Emory Palmer, for his testimony. We heard at 8.30 and again at this service and others will be sharing their gratitude testimonies and thoughts over these next few weeks. So uh, hope you'll be here and be a part of that. We begin a series today called The Gratitude Path, and we're using a gospel lesson that you've heard so many times before, but I hope you'll listen carefully and hear it one more time. Perhaps there's something there that, uh, that you haven't heard before or that the Spirit will help you to hear in a new way today. Luke chapter 17 Beginning with verse 11, would you stand as you are able for the reading of the Holy Gospel? Luke 17, 11, and following. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God? Except this foreigner. Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. And so we begin this journey along the gratitude path or road or street or a boulevard or way or trail or maybe for some of you it'll be a country lane. Once, according to an old Jewish parable, times were tough. Two men, both poor farmers, were walking down a country lane one morning and they met their rabbi. How is it for you, the rabbi asked the first man. Lousy, he grumbled, bemoaning his lot and lack in this world. Terrible, hard, awful, not worth getting out of bed for. Life is lousy. Now, God was eavesdropping on this conversation. Lousy, the Almighty thought. You think your life is lousy now, you ungrateful lout? <laughs> I'll show you what lousy is. And then the rabbi turned to the second man and you, my friend, Ah, oh, Rabbi, he said, life is good. Life is gracious. God is so good, so generous. Each morning when I awaken, I'm grateful for the gift of another day. I know, rain or shine, it will unfold in wonderful blessings too many to count. Life is good. God smiled as the 
second man's thanksgivings soared upward and joined with the heavenly voices around the throne. And then the Almighty roared with delightful laughter. Good. You think this is good? I'll show you what good is. The complainer and the thanksgiver both walking down the same country load, but obviously they were, both, they were on very different paths. These two guys were going in different directions. For today and for the next five Sundays, our thoughts will, I hope, be challenged and shaped by a book written by Kent Millard called The Gratitude Path, Leading Your Church to Generosity. In the book, Millard suggests that we refer to an annual stewardship campaign as a gratitude campaign. I like that. I think it's more than a change in terminology. Let me assure you that this is not some Trojan horse attempt to sneak in the topic of giving while your defenses are down. My hope, though, is that we will let our defenses down for a while, and then we'll be empowered to see things clearly through the, the lens of gratitude, Things like money and service and giving and generosity. And if I may use the word in polite company, stewardship. You hear the word. Some folks hear the word and they sit there wishing, I had three hands. I could put two over my ears and one over my wallet and everything would be okay. <laughs> a while back, a friend emailed me an excerpt out of one of Max Licato's books called Before Amen. And the excerpt had to do with gratitude and how we give thanks and why we give thanks and the importance of all of that. Let me share just a few of his thoughts with you. He begins with the word thanks. Just the word, he said, lifts the spirit. To say thanks is to celebrate a gift, something, anything, animals, bald spots, chocolate, dictionaries, someone to walk with us on the way, someone to love. We say thanks. To, and it's to cross tracks when we say that. Some people, it's to move from one set of tracks to another. From not to have much fun, from not having much, from the excluded to the recruited. Thanksgiving proclaims that we are not disadvantaged, we are not disabled, we are not victimized, we are not scandalized, we are not forgotten or ignored, we are blessed. Adam and Eve, he said, had their very own produce section. And when I, I read this, I started to look at that creation story or this part of it in a, in a different kind of way. I never thought about it like this. He said, suppose that the devil, when he came and started gesturing toward that shiny piece of fruit across the boundary, suppose that Eve, instead of being flushed with discontentment, Suppose she had begun to ponder the garden that she had and all the things that were there before. Discontent, though, moved in like a bully on the block and sort of took over because she saw the one thing she couldn't have. What if gratitude had won the day? Suppose an unbedazzled Adam and Eve had said to the snake, Are you kidding me? Begrudging what we cannot eat? Have you seen this place? Strawberry fields and melon patches and orange groves and blueberry bushes? Let us take you on a tour, snake. We'll show you all these things that God has given us. Had they chosen gratitude, 
or the gratitude path, can we even begin to imagine how the world would have been a different place? If we choose gratitude, how does that change our worlds? How does that change our attitudes? In the gratitude path, which will essentially be our textbook for the next five weeks, along with scripture, of course, Ken Millard begins his introduction with some brief passages of scripture. And in every passage, he's talking about how Jesus gave thanks. And if Jesus needed to give thanks and wanted to give thanks, what about us? Then Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he gave it to those who were sitting there. He did the same with the fish each getting as much as they needed and wanted. That's from John six eleven, And then in Luke's gospel, toward the end of the story, the Last Supper, a couple of verses, from verse 17, after taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. And then in verse 19, after taking bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them. Over and over again, Jesus' life was marked by gratitude. The gratitude path is the path that Jesus followed in his walk through this world. 5,000 people had come out to hear him preach and teach, to watch him heal, hoping to see some sort of miraculous performance. Evening came, people were hungry, it was getting late and dark. Jesus invited them to sit down. A little boy had five little loaves of bread and two small fish. And Jesus received them, gave thanks to God. And when they were given to the crowd, there was more than enough. You know the story. You've heard it hundreds of times. Later in his gospel, John referred to the place where Jesus fed the 5,000 as the place where they had eaten the bread over which the Lord had given thanks. That's how the place came to be known. This is where Jesus gave thanks, and that stood out above everything else that happened there that day. Before Jesus raised Lazarus from death to life, he looked up and he said, Thank you, Father, for hearing me. That's a pretty amazing way to begin a prayer, isn't it? Thank you, Father, for hearing me. On the last night of his life, Jesus took the bread and the loaf, blessed the bread, broke it, gave it to him, gave the cup. All through the Gospels, Jesus gave thanks to his Father in heaven for all that was before him, for all the ways that he'd been blessed. Jesus lived his life with an attitude of gratitude in all the circumstances of life. And later on in this series, we're going to talk about how it is to give thanks in all circumstances. That's a, a different topic. But all through his life, Jesus gave constant thanks to God. Lived that way. Walked that path. When we follow Jesus along the gratitude path, it begins to shape and mold our lives in ways that maybe we haven't even imagined ever. Somewhere along the way, probably when we were children or when our children were small, we've been part of a conversation that goes something like this. As a child, can you remember, someone gives us a gift and we stand there just kind of dumbfounded. We don't know what to say, so we just stand there and don't say anything, stand there sort of like a fence post. And our mom or dad punches us in the back and says, well, don't you have something to say? And we still stand there. And then they poke us again, this time a little harder, and tell us, just say thank you. And the gospel lesson for today 
there was one out of ten, ten percent, who came back and just said, thank you. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, passing through an area between Samaria and Galilee. He entered a village. Ten lepers approached him. And you've all heard the stories about leprosy and what a horrible skin disease it was back in that day and how these folk were considered unclean and had to keep a distance from anybody else. Stories about how they had to ring bells and shout out so that others would clear the way when these folks passed by. Keeping their safe distance, they called out to Jesus begging for mercy. Jesus instructed them, go to the priest. And as they began to go to the priest to fulfill the ritual, the law, they were all healed. Every one of them were made clean. Then one of them, when he realized that he was clean, turned around, came back, fell down, prostrated himself, fell down before Jesus and thanked him. The one who came back was the Samaritan, the foreigner, the outsider, need to think about that for a while. That's an important part of this story. Jesus said, get up. Be on your way. Your faith has made you well. Where were the other nine? Why had they not chosen to walk the gratitude path? The gratitude path leads to God always. Back to Jesus the Christ. Maybe they went home. Spouses or parents, they'd been unclean. They had not been able to go home. They had to keep a distance from the folks that they loved and cared for. How horrible is that? So maybe they went home. Is that such a bad thing? But maybe a parent had asked them when they got home, well, when he healed you, what did you say? What do you mean you didn't know what to say? Just say thank you. It's not complicated. The leper, the one who returned, recognized God's deliverance and God's grace. Ten were healed. One recognized healing for what it was. It's healing, or was it simply the result of a natural process? Or was it a miraculous sign of God's love? In retrospect, the opportunities and persons that we encounter along the way and experience provide us for the greater challenge of when we experience God's love and evidence of God's providence. If we can see it in each other and in the things around us, then we recognize it when God appears and changes us for the better. And who can even begin, ever begin to fathom the way that God moves in human experience? We think we've got it figured out. We want to put God in a box sometimes. As Fred Craddock said, we want to walk all the way around God with a Polaroid camera and think, we've got this. But God's so much more than that. What do we do when we see Jesus saw need and he acted to meet it? Not just celebrate good fortune. When the leper returned, he did not just celebrate his good fortune. He returned to praise God, to fall on his face before Jesus. Gratitude may be the fullest measure of our character and our spiritual maturity. The absence of the ability to give thanks 
reveals our self-centeredness or the attitude that we deserve more than we ever get. So why should I be grateful? Look around at all these other folk and what they have. Did it take a Samaritan? Did it take an outcast? Did it take somebody not part of the children of Israel at that time to recognize the grace of God for what it was? The grateful person reveals a spirit of humility and a sensitivity to the love expressed by other folk. The grateful person regards acts of love and kindness and experiences of God's grace with profound gratitude. Life itself is a gift. And I want to say more about that in just a moment. Health is a precious gift. The friendship and love of family and friends and churchmates and others. An amazing, overwhelming grace to be treasured and to be guarded with gratitude. What do we see? What do we do about it? And then the story challenges us always to accept gratitude as an expression of faith. Doesn't gratitude flow from faith? Or is gratitude itself an expression of faith? That we believe that all of the good and mercy and joy is from God. And it takes faith to believe that. And it's not always easy. If gratitude reveals humility of spirit and sensitivity to the grace of God in our lives, then is there any better measure of faith than wonder and thankfulness? For all that God does for us every day of our lives. Are we self-made individuals? I don't hear that expression as much as I used to. People would talk about, well, I'm a self-made woman. I'm a self-made man. One guy heard another guy say that one day. He said, I'm a self-made man. And the second guy said, well, I'm sure that takes a load off God's mind. Are we self-made individuals who are beholden to no one? Or are we blessed daily in ways we seldom perceive and cannot repay ways for which we're called to be grateful? And sometimes we fail. Faith like gratitude is our response to the grace of God as we experience it. For those who become aware of God's grace, all of life is grace. All of life is to be handled with gratitude. Every encounter with other folk becomes an opportunity to see the grace of God at work in this world. Even before we're aware of it. John Wesley would call that prevenient grace. It's a part of our life. Always. There's so many paths that will lead us from birth to death in this life, from cradle to the grave. And we all need to stop sometimes and look down at our feet and try to decide which path we're on. Are we walking on the gratitude path? And if we're not, how do we get started? Not complicated, is it? It's rather simple. By just remembering to say thank you. Just a couple of other things. Here there was a book by Diana Butler Bass, and I don't know if you've read any of her books or not. She's a rather profound and insightful writer. She wrote a book that I purchased back in May called Grateful, The Transformative Power of Giving Thanks, and read it and now beginning to reread parts of it. And in that book I found this account of this interview, and let me share that with you. Few have understood gratitude 
as thoroughly as Eli Wiesel. Do you remember, have you heard the name? He was a Holocaust survivor. He was a novelist. One of his short books that's not a feel-good book, but I would recommend to you, it's called Night, N-I-G-H-T, just Night, about his time in the concentration camp and the loved ones he lost there and the difficulty and pain. But Elie Wiesel, in an interview with Oprah Winfrey, had this to say. She asked him, she said, there may be no better person than you to speak about living with gratitude. Despite all the tragedy you've witnessed, you still have a place in your heart for gratefulness. And Ellie Wiesel said, absolutely. Right after the war, I went around telling people, thank you just for living, for being human. And to this day, he said, and he died a few years back, but to this day, he said it, the words that come most frequently from my lips are thank you. When a person doesn't have gratitude, something is missing in his or her humanity. A person can almost be defined by his or her attitude toward gratitude. I don't know if that makes us feel good or makes us uncomfortable. And then Oprah said, does having seen the worst of humanity make you more grateful for ordinary occurrences, for everyday kind of things? And he said, for me, every hour is grace. And I feel gratitude in my heart each time I meet someone and look at his or her smile. This insight stands out. When people lack gratitude, something about their humanity is missing. And he's not speaking of appreciating material goods. So often we go on mission trips and things and we come back and somebody says, well, what'd you learn? Well, I'm just so much grateful for all that I have. Well, that's okay. But all the stuff that we have is not who we are. He means our ability to experience life as a gift, to treasure that gift every day of our life, to feel its power, even in the most violent and demeaning circumstances imaginable, the very essence of human existence. Life is the gift, not what we have, but what we are. To feel gratitude is not the caboose of some faith train. It's the beginning to feel appreciative awareness of our own life and feel that awareness of life, all those around us. It's sort of like being reborn with a new spirit and a new vision for the way we live in this world. Pay attention to those who have suffered and found gratefulness. Listen to the voices of the wise and the songs of the marginalized and the thanksgiving of those who've been oppressed. And abused, embrace the sorrows of your own heart. These are the teachers of gratitude. Don't be afraid. Is there a word that, that captures the essence of a grateful person? That's what Philip Watkins asked in the midst of data points and research in his textbook, in one of his textbooks, he was an academician. There's this very startling statement. I believe that there is a word, he says, that helps answer the question. For me, that word is grace. Grateful people are full of grace. 
grateful people understand life to be a gift. Frederick Bigner says, life is not a mystery. Life is the mystery. And life is a gift. Every hour is grace, said Ellie Wazell. An amazing grace and a gift. How do we get started or how do we continue down that path? It's almost too easy. Just say thank you. Amen.